Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today, we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 91 on that first paragraph, starting with, usually the family should not try to tell your story. Today's readers are, and thank you so much for your service, Ginger C., Leon B., Barbara E., Tenzin P., Esther F., and our newcomer greeter, Leah S., and our host for the next hour will be Sandy W. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, February 18th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 14,135. That's 14135. And for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You meeting, 14,137. That's 14137. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Tenzin, press star one to unmute, please. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from uh, New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you so much, Tenzin P. I will now ask for Esther F. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Esther. Thank you. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you so much, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted, please. Today we resume our study in the big book. We are on page 91 on the first paragraph, and I'm going to ask Ginger C. to get us started. Go ahead, Ginger. 
Usually the family should not try to tell your story. When possible, avoid meeting a man through his family. Approach through a doctor or an institution is a better bet. If your man needs hospitalization, he should have it, but not forcibly unless he is violent. Let the doctor, if he will, tell him he has something in the way of a solution. And um, again, thank God for these clear-cut directions. Such a simple program. I just have to follow it precisely. And now we're talking about probably one of the most important chapters because obviously we have to have a message. You know, I can't transmit what I don't have. But the most important thing, each and every one of us that are out of the food that have this solution working today in their lives, we're here to help that sufferer, that person that does not know there's a message. And so, again, these directions, you know, it's better to meet them when the family's not around. And obviously, you know, if my family's around, I'm not going to be honest. Um, I'm going to be fearful, probably. And are you going to tap into me? You know, but you meet one alcoholic with another. That's it. I just share my experience, strength, and hope. And I have a chance of adverting misery and death for that person just by sharing my heart. Um, and and I, I just love, you know, when I think of Bill and um, Abby back at the kitchen, you know, he did no ranting. He just shared what it was like, what happened, what it's like today, Bill. And they were college buddies. They drank together. I mean, this was a really powerful moment for Bill. And Bill was obviously a super intellect and all about his ego. We read his story. We can see it so clearly. And because of that love, it bypassed Bill's brain to his heart. It started to sink him down and to help him tap in that I am a real alcoholic. I like what I see in front of me and I want it. So how is my message? Am I being attractive? Am I having love and patience and tolerance with others? Am I showing up thinking that I know it all and shoving it down your throat? This is the book. This is the only way. You know, uh, the book tells me we have no one way to God here, you know, but just find some power because without power between you and the bite, you will absolutely be eating. So as much as I'm a big book enthusiast, do I say this is the only way? No, I know others that you other, they use the OA literature and they're sober and out of the food. As long as you're happy, joyous, and free and you're not dying in this disease, I don't care what you're doing. But again, we only have this one chance and I'll never forget this AA speaker came to Denver and he had everyone in the room. There were probably about 300 uh, members sitting in this meeting And he said, how many of you came to AA excited to get to this meeting? And very few hands raised. When that newcomer gets through the door, they are so lucky that they even got through that door. So we have huge responsibility as to how we show up, grab them before they leave. And, um, you know, the window, it's it's just this short window that rolls down this opportunity, and we just don't want to miss it. And we want to have, you know, the best way to have them understand and accept what we have to offer. And that's how I show up a day at a time in this world with this message. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Ginger C., for getting us started. Okay, so who would like to share on what was read on page 91, that first paragraph? And if you yes, haven't shared are. in a couple of days, we'd love to hear from you. Chris, Tina S. 
Nessa R. Uh, I heard. Okay, I heard a Nessa R, and there was someone before Chris. Somebody. Chris S. Tina S. Tina S. Lisa B. Barbara E. Barbara E. I think there's somebody else in there I missed. I have Chris S., Nessa R., Tina S., Lisa B., and Barbara E. Was there anyone else that I missed? Chime on in. Okay, great group to start. All right, Chris S., you are up, followed by Nessa R. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Hi, I'm Chris S., anorexic, uh, New York, and um, really great to hear this, and thanks so much for the, the speaker to, um, you know, bring that all to light so well. Really appreciate it. Um, have to say, very surprising to hear something like, oh, in the, the OA literature, you know, if they do that, they might get, they'll, they'll get fine, they'll be fine too. Uh, you know, I read that OA literature, and I am, um, you know, it's, I came in a long time ago when there wasn't the, the, those books, you know, so I was started on the the, 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 the AA books. Um, but those OA books, man, they speak directly to what I have. Um, and certainly for a newcomer when they have to hear alcohol, what am I doing with alcohol? You know, that's especially powerful to have our own literature. Um, so I am so very, very grateful for that. Um, and that's all I really wanted to say. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to have this solution. Uh, this Overeaters Anonymous, and um, thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you so much. Nessa, are you up? Followed by Tina S. Go ahead, Nessa. Thank you, and I'm sorry, Amy, I jumped in before you actually finished speaking, so I apologize. No uh, problem. My name is uh, Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And, you know, when I read this, I wondered, like, why shouldn't the family tell his story? You know, if the family doesn't tell his story, he may never hear it. And he, he may miss out on a chance to, to recover, you know, to see what another alcoholic has done. And then I, I looked up my own history, you know, and like the people who in my life, you know, my friends and acquaintances who had taken um, weight off and, and kept it off. And all I heard from my family was, why can't you be like her? If she can do it, you can do it. And it was all frothy emotional appeal to me. And the more I heard this, the more I dug in my, my heels, you know, like, I'll show them, I'll show them. And so this is why it is ineffective, you know. And the truth is that until I was ready to hear the message, it doesn't matter, um, um, you know, who told me the message. I needed to be ready. I needed to be at a place where I could, could receive. I mean, this is why step 12 says, you know, we try to carry the message. It doesn't say an absolute command, carry the message. Because, you know, when I am, I am carrying the message, I can only try. I cannot guarantee that you or you or you will receive the message. And so, you know, this is, and this is only, and this is when we are talking, you know, one alcoholic to another, um, how much more so when is the family talking to the alcoholic, you know, like as a compulsive overeater, I could, you know, come up with a million reasons and excuses, you know, to tell my family why what worked for that person wouldn't work for me. Why was I, what, you know, I was so different and our case is so different that it wouldn't work for me. But when I'm talking to another compulsive overeater, 
I can't pull the wool over their eyes. You know, they've been there and done that. You know, they've done what I've done. They felt what I felt. They thought what I thought. So I cannot, you know, you know, feed them with baloney like I guess probably I could my family. And so this is why it's important that it's one alcoholic to another. Um, and uh, that was my personal experience. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa R. Tina S. followed by Lisa B. Go ahead, Tina. Thanks so much, Amy. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. I'm grateful to be on the line. Wow, some great shares, you know. Uh, many times I've read this part of the book and I thought, well, you know, I really don't get it. I really don't relate to it. And, you know, over the years and one day at a time and through the transformation, uh, from someone with whom the problem had been solved, I get this stuff, you know, because so many, I love that it was talked about, uh, frothy emotional appeal, you know, families trying to help, friends trying to help, all this kind of stuff. But in the book, it tells me that one alcoholic can help another when no one else can, you know, because, you know, I totally understand where someone else is coming from and the people that want to help may not you know, and probably don't if they don't have this affliction themselves, you know, and, you know, I, you know, I am in, you know, probably like most people in, in different 12-step programs where, you know, people see uh, what, over the years, what has happened in my life, and so they, you know, talk to other people that they see that need some help, and with compulsive eating, and, you know, and they say, talk to Tina, you know, and, uh, you know, and and they don't, you know, tell them what they need. They say, you know, maybe she can help you. And I think that's the deal, you know, where, you know, I can be of help just by sharing my experience, strength, and hope, not telling you what, and I love that it's shared. I don't tell you what you need to do because I certainly don't even know what I need to do. So how do I know what you need to do? And one of the other things I love about the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it tells us we don't have a monopoly on God. OA does not have a monopoly on God, just like AA does not have a monopoly on God. You know, if this problem can be solved in you through some other place, have at it. You know, I've tried many other ways, did not work. This was the last house on the block for me, and I am so grateful. I am so grateful that I found a solution, that one day at a time, I don't have to be in the food face down. I don't have to be in booze, what, in, in anything other than the solution and, and help from a power greater than myself. Because what I have is a spiritual sickness, a spiritual disease. You know, it manifests in many other ways in my life. But through the process of the 12 steps and the spiritual awakening, I have a way out. You know, I have a way out. And it says, in which we all can agree, the ones with whom the problem has been solved. And that's the good news. You know, that's the good news. And with that, I'll pass. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Tina. Lisa B., followed by Barbara E. Lisa, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I do spell my name L-E-S-A, just in case anyone wants to reach out to me. Um, I love the line, tell him he has something in the way of a solution. Wow. My heart still leaps when I read that because in October of 2015, I called and introduced myself as a newcomer to this wonderful OA meeting. And um, I received a huge amount of phone calls and it was very overwhelming a large number of calls I was getting and um, I was really at my wits end with all the calls I know that sounds terrible but at that time 
the selfishness in me, you know, the spiritual malady was so on me. And if you had asked my family about me, they wouldn't say, oh, Lisa's a compulsive overeater. She needs to get recovered. They would just say, she's so moody. She's so irritable. Nothing makes her happy. Oh, be careful of Lisa. You know, you've got to walk on eggshells with Lisa. And that was my mood, my description, um, probably since I was eight years old, maybe six years old. You know, that's at the age when I realized, I think this really sucks being here on earth. I, I don't really like living here. I don't like what's around me. And that's when I started looking for some sort of an effect. So flash forward, 2015, October, and I got all these phone calls. And right at my last wit's end of taking calls, this wonderful person called me and she was to become my sponsor in January of 2016 and I got recovered in April of 2016. She was armed with facts about herself. You know, everyone was really armed with the facts about themselves, the people that were calling me. But there was something about the way she spoke to me. She shared about herself and I could tell she was just like me. In fact, I even thought she was worse than me. And I thought, I'm so glad there's a place for her that she can go because she's such a nice person. I really like her. I'm glad she's found a solution for herself. I didn't realize, really, until we got into more about alcoholism, that I was just like her. And it says in Working With Others, many um, you know, are doomed. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. I didn't realize that I was in a slow burn, boiling away in hot water, soon to be demolished, because I would have eventually probably picked up another substance, alcohol. You know, Because to me, this illness has merged into one. And I'm just so grateful today that I am armed with facts about myself. I do have a solution. I have confidence when I'm trying to share this message to another. I don't have to just give them tools of relief. You know, oh, it might get better. Just go to a lot of meetings. I have the facts, you know, about myself. I know it's worked for me. And that's this big book and these 12 steps and a spiritual awakening. That's the solution in entire abstinence. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Barbara E., you are up. Good morning, everyone, and I hope this is a beautiful day for you. Minus nine, someplace I just heard, whoa, that's cold. Well, it's different time we live in in 2020. We, uh, it, perhaps in the 1930s, they did go through the family, but I know I would have been humiliated, angry, resentful if my mother had called up someone and said, would you take Barbara to a meeting, any kind of meeting? First of all, I'd gone through so much research and development, Weight Watchers, Diet Center, Optifest, psychologists, shots, pills, as a teenager, fat camp. I went through it all. And each time I reached a new bottom, and found there was a trap door in the new bottom, and I'd fall even lower. So when I joined OA back in 1996, I told no one because I knew in my heart I was destined to fail. History told me so. So I told not a soul. I went. I sat in the back of the room. I cried. I listened. And I heard people claiming to be recovered, and happily so. How could you be happy without food? I wanted the food. I just didn't want the consequences. 
but I had the consequences. 24 sizes in my closet. I couldn't stop from starting, but I thought I heard a solution. All those things that I heard when I finally stumbled in to OA in 1996 made sense to me. If I could call a sponsor, if I could do the writing, if I could open this big blue book and follow the directions exactly as they were written, maybe there was hope for me. Maybe I would be able to lose the weight and live happy, joyous, and free, free of worry, free of of anguish, free of resentments, free of isolation. That's what I was looking for. And someone in Massachusetts said to me yesterday, and I thought it was so wonderful, I'd like to share it. She said, Barbara, when you worry, it's just like sitting in a rocking chair. You go back and forth and you get nowhere. So I don't worry today. I just thank God and pray for a new day. I pass. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, so we're going to take some more names. Just a friendly reminder, we're on page 91, first paragraph. Who would like to share? Charles H. Okay, I got Charles H., and that's all I got. Kelly G. All right, Kelly G., I think it is. Who else? Maura Z. Maura Z. Lisa... R.B. Lisa R.B. Anybody else? Okay, Charles H., Kelly G., Mara Z., Lisa R.B. All right, Charles, go ahead, please. Thank you very much, Amy G., for your service. Y'all know who I am already. I ain't got to say it. Um, so, I, you know, uh, this is what happened back in the 30s. You know, the family, you know, got involved. Of course, it's 2020 now, and, and and in some scenarios, the family still get involved. So we ain't got to beat the family up. You know, thank God for a family. Um, yeah, right? So I, I, I just came up on here this morning to say, you know what? Um, I've never lived in February 19, 2020. Life is summer school. Every 12-step program in summer school, I do not know what's going to happen today. I do not even know if the, if the 10th and 11th step is going to help me today. I've never been here before. I'm a newcomer today every single day, and I've got, you know, un, unmerited favor, unmerited grace. You know, I, I didn't do nothing to deserve to be here today, and thank God for my family because a lot of compulsive overeaters ain't got no family. So I'm grateful to have a family. And I'm grateful to, to, to learn each and every day. Everybody and every situation is a lesson in my life, especially on today. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know if that 10-step going to work today. I don't know if I'm going to live or die today. But that unmerited grace and to, to realize that I don't have all the answers, I'm not Google, and, and, and I'm in summer school learning, and I'm, I'm claiming my seat today, just for today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charles. Kelly G., you're up, please, followed by Mara Z. 
Kelly, press star one, please, to unmute. We can't hear you. Can you hear me? Ah, there you are, Kelly. Hi. Go ahead. Hi, Kelly G in Florida. Um, I relate a lot to the reading. I think for me, I, I was very close with my family growing up. So this disease I couldn't really hide because not only does it manifest in the mind, but I physically wear it. And I remember growing up, I worked at a clothing store at a boutique in New York. And I was the one who tried on the sample size, the double zero when all the clothes would come in. Throughout my course of working there in high school, I then grew out to a size 32, all within years. And it was mortifying. It was mortifying to not even be able to try on anything in that store over such a short period of time. I remember those phone calls my mom would make when I would be at school or when I would be at work and she'd come home with a pad and paper of this doctor, this psychiatrist, this therapist. And I refused to go. And when I did go, I would be so nasty and rude to everybody because I didn't want to be there. And it wasn't until I left on my own, went to college, took a medical leave from school and said, I cannot do this. And I had to go to a treatment center that took me to these 12-step meetings and introduced me to them where then I was proactive in my recovery. And it saved my life. Because I had to do this for myself. This was my own personal journey. And when I got recovery and I would leave on Thanksgiving morning to rush to a meeting or, you know, be late to a dinner because I was going to a meeting, you know, my family would be like, really? Could you, can you like not go to, you know, and I was always my recovery first until this day. It is the number one thing in my life. And it had to come from me. Everything has to come from me because I also don't want to be told what to do. I'm extremely rebellious, and I would eat at people. If you wanted me to see a doctor, I would eat at you. Um, that was my way of revenge. So this definitely has to come from my head to my heart to my feet to action. And um, there's nobody that could tell me that I needed to go to a meeting or I needed help because the moment that somebody spoke about me or called me out, that's it. I was gone. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Kelly. Mara Z, followed by Lisa RB. Go ahead, Mara. Thank you, Amy J. Mara Z. Recovering in Virginia, and would you please time me? I did not set a timer. I apologize. I am on it. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Usually the family should not try to tell your story. My family had no freaking problem telling my story. Now, I don't know who they told it to outside of me and outside of my family, but they had no problems telling it to me. You know, my my then, you know, normal-sized older sister had no problems reading me the riot act, long distance, over the phone, me in New York, she in Virginia, excuse me, me in Virginia, she in California, she had no problems yelling at me. She had no problems when she was in my home, you know, yelling at me. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Questioning my every move. And then, oh my gosh, well, it was totally my fault that we were getting divorced, my husband and I. Totally my fault. It was completely irrelevant that he had emotionally abused me for the last 10 years of our marriage. No, no, no. It was my fault because I was obese, because I was fat, because I was ugly, because I was still in the blank for crying out loud. 
So my family today is you guys. You are my family. And, and you know, I am so grateful for that. I don't have to worry about other people in my biological family. I just do one day at a time, not perfectly. But thank you, God, you know, I've strung together a few weeks now, one day at a time. And I'm so grateful for every one of those days, for every one of those hours, because this is not an easy road. There is a real good reason the word trudge is used. This is not an easy road. It's simple, but not easy. A price has to be paid, and that second phrase is usually forgotten when people say that. A price had to be paid. It meant the destruction of self. And let me tell you something. I am learning humility on a whole new level these days, and I'm grateful for it. And um, I hear some rumbling, so I'm going to assume that's my time, and I will say thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Marzi. Lisa R.B., you're up. Good morning. This is Lisa R.B. from Crystal River, Florida. And I just wanted to chime in this morning, and I wanted to thank the, the fellowship here this morning. Yesterday I put my name out there um, for support um, on my third day, and, and today, um, by the grace of God, I have four days. And I just wanted to thank, thank you. Um, this isn't my first time around. But um, I'm thankful that uh, I always can come back to vision and um, that I have the most gracious sponsor that always tells me, action, action, action. What are you going to do for the suffering compulsive eater today? And um, yesterday I was I was blessed that I had my face-to-face meeting to go to. I showed up to the meeting and um, I even introduced uh, uh, the topic of, of reading jo- um Roseanne's story, and and we had just talked about it yesterday in the meeting, Um, and then it is a big book meeting. Um, However, there was a a person in the meeting that said that they really needed a sponsor, and I was so grateful that I have vision for you that I could ask this woman if she's ever heard of vision, and I was able to give her the numbers, and I let her know that there was at least 11 sponsors the previous day and so many yesterday, and it's just... uh, um, just gave me such comfort to know that there is a solution today, that there is recovery today, and um, I just want to do everything different this time. I want to suit up. I want to show up. I want to plug into this fellowship, and um, I, I'm i sure I had other things to say, but I'm nervous right now, so I just wanted to at least take the action and uh, and be a part of today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lisa. Welcome aboard. All right. Who else would like to share on what was read? We are on page 91, first paragraph. Please chime in. Russ M. Polly Q. I'm sorry, Hi, somebody I'm Q? A. Polly Q. Polly. Elena Q. Polly. Polly Q. Ramona A. Was it Polly or Holly? Uh, Polly with a P. Okay, got it. So I got Polly, I got Ramona, and then there was somebody else, please. Elena C. Elena. Elena C. Okay. Debbie K. Russ M. Debbie, Debbie K. K. Russ 
M. Yep, Debbie, I got you. All right, we're going to go with Thank this you. group. Polly Q, Ramona A, Elena C, Debbie K, Russ M. All right, Polly Q, please go ahead. Hi, uh, this is Polly Q in California. Thank you, moderator, for your service. Um, recovered. I. Um, the thing that strikes me about this page the most <clears throat> is it, it's, it reminds me of what it must have been like when Bill went to see um, Dr. Bob. Because Dr. Bob would have had a, none of this moralizing. Dr. Bob would have had none of this. In fact, he said, you got 15 minutes uh, because he had heard it all. And so, you know, for me, when I'm working with someone else, especially when I first meet them, I really work hard to, to stay humble. Because I have to say, the, the second someone starts moralizing to me or they've raised their voice or they're really um, strong-minded about how they work the program and this is how you got to do it and blah, da 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 the, the second that starts, you know, for me, I'm done. And, and, and it's not that the message isn't great. The message is great. It's wonderful. But what happens is it turns my ego on. And then I'm angry. Or I'm offended. Or I, and especially if I'm in the disease, if I'm just coming out of the disease, oh my gosh. What do I hear then? All I hear is somebody coming at me the way, the way everybody's always coming at me about my disease. You know, you're fat and you're wrong and you do it my way or forget it. Uh, you know, I, and, and, and that happens. That happens in these rooms. And so I have to be really careful about where I am, I'm just one addict talking to another. I'm just Bill talking to Dr. Bob. That's really how it is. Now, maybe I have some more experience working this program for today, but who knows about tomorrow? Because it's, a, it's an illness. It's nothing I have control over. So I got to really remember that I don't want to get one ego talking to another. Because, man, it's so easy for me to do that because I have this big fat ego. You know, I, I, it's, it's not Polly. Polly's okay. You know, Polly's, if she's working the program, she's okay. But Polly's ego is on the ready. It's just on the ready. And it comes out in the most subtle ways. So I got to really be humble when I'm doing this sponsor thing. Or I'm just kind of talking out my rear. Um, so, and, um, I think with that, I'll pass. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Uh, Polly, Ramona A, followed by Elena C. Go ahead, Ramona. Hi, everyone. This is Ramona A, a recovered compulsive overeater in Vermont. And I wanted to look at this from two perspectives, you know, in my family and, uh, from sponsoring now. And, I have to say that as a sponsor, in all the the years that I've been in and sponsoring, I have never met a family member until after, you know, I was actually 
uh, working with a person if they chose to introduce me. It just, uh, when I was sponsoring in a city, didn't uh, tend to meet the people except if they came to a meeting. And here in rural Vermont, it's the, the same way, you know. Much as I see people walking down the street who I think, well, maybe this person could use the program or whatever, it's, it's difficult to um, approach them, you know, and if I do and try to make a conversation, you know, this is uh, what was going on with me, et cetera. You know, I don't look like I need the program anymore, uh, much as I do, then uh, I'm not introduced to their family first. It doesn't usually go that way. The one exception is I have a niece who admittedly does need the program by her own admission. She came for a while, then and she left. And I almost have a feeling that the disciplines that I follow for mine are scaring her away. But all I can do is recover myself, and hopefully someday she'll say, maybe that's, that's um, you know, it's worth it. So for that, for other people, in my own family, I was uh, overweight from age zero, I think. And at nine years old, my family took me to a doctor, gave me a diet, and from then on for the next, you know, 30 years, dieting was all I knew. I, you know, every kind of diet. And my family still, you know, I was the only one, and people have heard this, the only one in the family who had this illness, and much as they loved me, I always felt on the outside, and that dieting was the only way to get me on the inside with the family, um, to be, you know, to be a normal one of them, but no one, no one knew a thing about OA, you know, never heard about it, um, wasn't around here at all where I grew up. So it's been a process of learning, but when I finally did learn about OA and I went, you know, that was, I knew I was home. I knew that was exactly where I needed to be. I knew that was the process I needed. So um, I guess that that just happens to be my experience. Thank you, and uh, have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you so much, Ramona. Elena C. followed by Debbie K. Go ahead, Elena. Good morning, everyone. Elena C. from Greenville, South Carolina, compulsive overeater. And it's so good to um, listen to you guys. And I had an awful day yesterday. And then this this meeting in the morning, I mean, they just make my day. It's just like a piece of mental health, like a pill of mental health that I'm taking. But I was so intrigued by this paragraph because it said, usually the family should not try to tell your story. And then when possible, avoid meeting a man through his family, you know? And so to me, what that means to me that the family, um, it's, it's one of the hardest piece, the work with the family is the hardest piece for, for an alcoholic, for an addict, because you know, it, they're the relationships that are mostly damaged in, in uh, addiction. And it's probably, there's so, many, so much pain 
and there's probably better off for the people who are, for the person who's helping to kind of go to the professionals and other people they're not as involved they're not as intimately involved with this person and also you know it it reminds me that um when I have an issue, like something in my heart, pain or whatever, I don't have to like go to my most intimate people, the people that I'm closest to for, for um, you know, to, to find resolution, but, but to go to other players, you know, and other players in my right are now, first and foremost, the 12-step people that I have. And the spirituality, and it might be sometimes a doctor that could help me, you know. And I never got to the hospitalization part, um, but, um, and I'm grateful for that because my disease has had different layers of, of um, appearing and infecting me. But, but addiction is first and foremost a family disease, and you know, I believe the most intimate relationships are the last to be redeemed because they're most, they, they just, I mean, they have a history of hurt, of hurt that we all were carrying. And, um, and, that's, and that's a great paragraph to read, um, just an eye opener. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this program. And I am, um, and I am. I have a beautiful, beautiful life today, in spite of all my struggles. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Elena. Debbie K, you're up, followed by SM. Go ahead, Debbie. Morning. Am I being heard? I can hear you very well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Debbie K. I'm recovering in Pennsylvania. Um, thank you to the wisd- for the wisdom on the line this morning and for all those in service positions. Um, so I love when I hear Harlan say this is a language of the heart. And then I read a paragraph like this and I ask myself, what is Bill W.? trying to tell me what do I need to hear and he tells me many things in the first sentence usually the family should not try to tell your story I hear that as a warning from Bill that if I have revealed my story to the family I run the risk that they may distort it manipulate it to their advantage and use it in a way to beat up the alcoholic, their alcoholic. I don't want to do that. Thank you, Bill, for that warning. The second thing I hear in this one sentence is Bill so loves the alcoholic that in warning me, he is simultaneously trying to protect the alcoholic who is sick, who's devastated by his own illness. That's what I hear. I hear Bill's love for both me, the recovering person, and those still sick and suffering. And that, to me, is the language of the heart. 
Lastly, the last sentence, let the doctor, if he will, tell him he has something in the way of a solution. The doctor is a neutral factor. And perhaps going in through a neutral factor, I have, I have a better chance of reaching the sick and suffering. That's it. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Debbie Kay. Russ M., you are up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, family. Russ M., Recover Compulsive Overeater. So I'm, um, I, I'm a little emotional reading this. And it's like I think back, you know, nobody really could get to me. My friends, um, definitely not my family, um, teachers, uh, people that I associated with throughout my whole life until I, you know, I crashed and burned for 40, it's over 40 years, you know, uh, this, this program and you guys were there to help me, help me stand up, you know, to help me, help me get back, back to where I needed to be. And, um. You know, I think of people when I come across people that are battling this. I have two in particular, two, my cousin and one of my best friends, and they battle this disease. I've seen it destroy them. And I just want to shake them and tell them, look, man, you know, the surgery, this, all these contraptions, these pay-on ways are not going to help you. They're not going to help you. But they see me fail on every, everything I tried. So why would they trust me? So I'm like, sometimes I get confused. So I think the best way, just like you guys did for me, just be there. You know, don't don't beat them up, don't beat them up, and just live your life recovered. Live what this this program is, and be there when you can. Just hopefully, you know, we're not too late. I, I was blessed. I'm lucky, kind of like Charles said. You know, I got I, I'm out of grace and mercy here to be on this phone. So, sorry I'm a softie. Y'all have a good day. I love you. Thank you so much, Russ. Okay, so we have about five minutes, a little under five minutes. Who would like to share on what was read? Page 91, first paragraph, please. Brenda A. Katie K. All right, Katie K. So we're going to go with that. All right, Brenda A., that, please go ahead. Yeah, hi, good morning. This is Brenda A., recovering in New York. And um, I'm only at step one, but this meeting, thank you all, and for the grace of God, I have been abstinent for two months now. And what I realized in reading this, my husband is experiencing what I feel compulsive behavior is And reading this has taught me that when he is ready, he will be ready. And my making suggestions, my, he knows he's a bright man that he has to lose weight. Um, He's recovering from cancer, but I could not stop hounding him. I would let it go for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then just continuously say things, why don't you try A, B, or C? And if it wasn't for a doctor, a therapist, who told me 
in September of 2018 that she thought I should try OA, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I started last March, and it took me until December to connect with a sponsor who has been helping me tremendously. And I'm giving myself up to my higher being, but it's taken all this time. So what I'm saying is, if you've experienced it, treat others the way you have been helped. And that's what's been helping me. And I thank God and I thank all of you. I am grateful to Vision for my daily guidance. And I, too, do one day at a time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brenda A., Katie K., you can take us out and get three minutes exactly. Okay, thank you. Katie K., can you hear me all right? I can hear you well. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, hi, Vision for You meeting. Katie K., compulsive overeater, and uh, pretty new to these meetings. Really excited to share this morning and also nervous. Um, Welcome. I wanted to hop on and thank you. Claim my seat and uh, talk about the reading this morning a bit. Um, yeah, with my family, it's uh, not just defensiveness if they tried to help me at all through the years. Um, and my mom, boy, did she try to help me. She tried so hard to just have the perfect food in the kitchen for me. And, um, oh, that's my son in the backyard. I'm in the background. Sorry about that. Um, not just defensiveness, but also um, I didn't want to disappoint them yet again. I, I really in some ways, uh, well, I guess I got to hop off the line. My kid is uh, making noise in the background. Thank you for letting me share. Love you guys. Bye. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Okay, we've got about two minutes, a little less than two minutes. Who would like to share? Pam S. Pam, please go ahead. Hi, thank you so much. Thanks for your service on Sam S. Recovering from Rhode Island. Um, you know, something that hit me, I'm just going to share really quick is, you know, when the family is coming at me and telling me about somebody else's story, the only thing I was able to do when I received any feedback from my family is to be able to read from that situation, you are broken. This person is not broken. Why can't you be like that person? So I can totally see here why I wouldn't want anybody to approach um, someone suffering and saying, but look at them, they have a solution, which means you have a problem. So um, I'm definitely going to um, take a lot of the shares today to be able to apply it and just think about that neutrality factor. Because if I'm telling somebody that like you need to do this and you have to recover and like it's going to be so good for you, the message I'm saying is you are broken. I'm identifying you as somebody that needs to be fixed. So I'm really grateful for that, all that in that paragraph in the shares. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Pam S. And on that note, we are going to wrap things up. Thank you, everyone, for your service. We will now close. Oh, wait, thank you, everyone. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the share ID for today's meeting, Wednesday, February 19, 2020, 7 a.m. meeting is four. 14,140. That's 14140. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Leon B. please take us out? Good morning. This is Leon B. Gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Our book, is be, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.